Hello and welcome to the Taperms podcast. Tony Taperm here again, as always, with my co-host Caesar. Hello. And back again, Freddie Soltero. Happy to be here. How are you guys doing? Doing <laughs> great, man. It's going to be a fun episode. We're going to get into a lot of cool things. Uh, obviously, it's still in this time of quarantine, coronavirus. So we're doing this through Zoom. Thank you, Freddie, for joining us. But have here it is, um, another edition. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between me, Caesar, and Freddie. Okay. Do I sound weird, Freddie? No, you sound fine. All right, cool. Cause and my tongue is swollen as hell. From what? I bit it. How'd you bite your tongue? I just bite it in my sleep. Damn, bro, you gotta wake up with half your tongue missing. I know, I do that all the time. <laughs> Seventh time it's being reattached. And now for everyone's favorite segment, we're doing it early in the show due to popular demand. We're doing one sip worms with today's beer, the hop concept. India Pale Ale. Caesar cracking it open. And Freddie wasn't able to secure the beverage today, so he's drinking water, but that's okay. All Freddie's right. local liquor store finally started carting. <laughs> okay, so what can you, Caesar, you were the supplier today. What, uh, what can you tell me about this beer? Well, when I went to the liquor store, there was this one lady that could not stop narrating every single goddamn thing she did. She walked in and she was like, I'm not touching that doorknob. And then I opened it and then she just walked in and she's like, my back hurts. And then she was like, where, where the fuck my snacks at? And then she was like, just yelling. I was like, God damn. And I couldn't get past her because like, like it was like a kind of small hallway to get to where the beers are. And like, I felt like her being so loud and mean. Like she was gonna yell at me if I got too close to her because of social distancing. But um, eventually, you know, I got to the beer section. <laughs> you just gave her an elbow. Yeah. Um, and I I saw a lot of beers, but this one kind of called out to me. I at first I thought it was a yerba mate. It, it looked yeah. like just like a tea. And when I first went to go purchase the the beer, the guy um at the register wasn't carding me. <laughs> and then he, upon further examination of the beverage, he's like, "Oh, this is a beer." <laughs> Um, because I, I guess he thought it was. It looks like a tea. It straight up looks like a yeah. tea. Um, Freddie can can confirm. And then the weirdest thing happened. He's like, "How old are you?" And I was like, "21." <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> but I'm 23. <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah, so like, for some reason, I lied. Um, and then he looked at my card. He was like, "You're not 21." He didn't tell me that, but he could. I could just see it in his eyes that I wasn't like I was 23, not 21. Um. But so I just lied for no reason. Um, but yeah, I got okay. the beer. Nice. Well, well secured. It's been refrigerating, and now almost the nose. That smell. I like the smell. It's an IPA. So like, I was trying to study before this about how the Great American Beer Festival grades its beers, but it's difficult to find their overall rubric because they they give out a lot of different awards based on styles. Um, they don't, I don't, I'm not, I haven't been able to find anything about like the best overall. 
So I, I've actually sort of also been looking at like reviews on YouTube of beers mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> like the way they do it is like the, the nose of like the smell of it, the taste, and then like the, the finish, like the aftertaste. So um, I think that's one we can do uh, to, for today's one and maybe for future ones too. And then we can still do ideal vibe, of course. Yeah. Apparently um, one of the only, one of the only beers that doesn't, hasn't gotten a gold yet is a pumpkin beer. And uh, I don't know if it's I, because the judges are like not trying to, to, you know, allow it to become a thing or if maybe like it just hasn't, no one's made a good pumpkin beer yet. There's I, a suppression of a, yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of anything pumpkin outside of pumpkin pie. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah. First sip. The reason I've been going by the Great American Beer Festival, as I was telling Tony earlier, is that they're one of the biggest competitions, but one of the most like largest commercially in the world. So if we're going to educate our listeners, I feel like we should prepare them to compete with the very best. I did the Great American Challenge. Is that anything to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't with quality beer. <laughs> I did. I did the Great American Challenge with a thirty rack of Natty Light. Does that count? <laughs> I remember that. The Costco pizza. <laughs> yeah, honestly, smelling this beer makes me think of uh, good times. I don't know. I haven't had beer in, since the last one sip worms. I think so. Like, well, walk me through know, it. Where you guys? What's okay, the, you, know, so, you know what I can tell you about this right now? Just when I was pouring it. Um, it has like no head. Yeah, no head, like a <laughs> uncircumcised beer. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yeah, it, there's not a lot of head. Um, but I will say the aroma is definitely there, like that, very good. But I will say that too is there's not a ton of, like it's not a really harsh IPA. Um, you don't get like the full, like whoa, this is super bitter. It's kind of uh, mellow. This is the Hop Concept India Pale Ale. Allow me to read you their, uh, their little message here on the beer. We here at the Hop Concept do one thing really well. We make hoppy beers. For the beer you're currently holding in your hand, we tapped Mosaic and Idaho 7 hops to brew out the latest hoppy creation, bursting with aromas of tangerine peel and lemon. I didn't really get any of that. Uh, okay. The Hop Concept IPA has huge notes of juicy, thick, ripe grapefruit. While finishing refreshingly dry, we like it so much we named it after the brand. Cheers, six point three percent. It is pretty dry, I will say. But I, on further investigation, I looked under the can, and I read the freshest buy date. Here we are in April, and the freshest buy date was uh, December twentieth, twenty nineteen. So it's a few months. So it's not the freshest beer, but it's still. That's probably why you don't get the huge head. Did you um, dig for this one, Caesar? Where did you? Find I was right it? in the front. <laughs> yeah, but I I gotta say, where's uh San Marcos? That's like San Diego area, mm. like like north of San Diego. I like it. I like I, the can. I, like too, yeah. I gotta say, nose is the, probably the, where it hits the most taste, mm. and then it the finish. It's a dry finish. It's a dry finish. Um, I will say, out of the three, the nose, the taste, and the finish, that the nose is the best, and the finish is the second best. And taste, you don't get a full flavor effect like you do with other things but i started smelling the microphone instead of the beer for some reason <laughs> yeah it's, it's um, when the when the hop concept hits yeah so ideal vibe 
I gotta say, at a San Diego beach. I I can see if they were making this in San Diego, they were thinking about what's a good Sandy or San Marcosy SoCal beer. For some reason, like I like IPAs when I'm at a brewery, just sitting and talking. Yeah, that's my vibe. And then this this is just like a I don't know, it just tastes like a good IPA to me. Smelling this, like even just cracking open, smelling it, made me think of being at the loft. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I I can literally taste the pretzels right now. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Man. Okay, so any second, Freddie's about to spill his beer on your laptop. <laughs> and shoot, shooting. I'm pool. surprised. Yeah, dude, I'm surprised that laptop survived it. Any oh, second, you're gonna get a a picture on Snapchat of Eric photoshopping someone's face onto something. <laughs> the loft is fun. Pretzels with and the and the peanuts. Pretzels and peanuts. <laughs> and yeah. Any second, a pledge is gonna bring you mozzarella sticks. Or a triple IPA. <laughs> a triple IPA that yeah, or we try to do all of them on the menu. Man. Um, what's your score? I gotta give it seven point four. I liked it. Even though it's not fresh, I liked it be yeah. Seven point four. Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven two. It's a good beer. Yeah, I like it even though it's not super fresh. Um yeah. Let's get to our next segment. <laughs> Freddie, thank you for sticking around with us. Let's get to our next segment. I've got a special one for you. So, Okay, so I've pulled a fun little thing. I don't want to call it a test, but it's a All little right. exercise that, we, that I have prepared for you two. Um, it's very timely, and it's from the Harper's Index from Harper's Magazine, the second oldest monthly literary publication magazine in the u.s it's the first i don't know the first maybe the new york new yorker this one is the first published yeah, in 1850 because the, the new yorker has those really cool covers that just make it seem like they're yeah. the first yeah hip yeah okay so well this one's also hip even hipper because it's like not it's the second it's like you know still running okay anyway harper's index Here's how it's going to go. It's basically a statement, and and you're going to have to guess a kind of number or a, a certain sort of thing. And uh, so we'll just give it out. We'll just start it out. Okay, you, got, you right. ready, guys? Yeah. Ready? Yeah. All right. Percentage of Americans who operate doors and sinks in public restrooms with paper towels to avoid germs. Oh, I'm going to say that's pretty low. I'm going to give it like a... Five percent, and that's being generous. Five percent. Okay. I forgot the question. Like I missed the first. <laughs> okay. All right. Percentage of Americans who operate doors and sinks in public restrooms with paper towels to avoid germs. Mm, okay. 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 That, that makes more sense now. So Freddie says five percent. Uh, twenty-five. I'm one obviously, of the five. Okay. The correct answer. Obviously, you guys don't use them because it's sixty-five percent. <laughs> Really? I never see anyone use it. I do it. I look like, like a jackass. Hey, you see, you, you know, Frey doesn't do it because he's getting defensive right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm getting defensive because I think that's a lie. I've never seen anyone else do it. When I do it, everyone looks at me like an idiot. Put some respect on, on my name? Yeah, exactly. But it sort of puts into perspective, uh, you know, your bathroom an- uh, ethics. You know, you never know. So. 65% of people are doing it, almost two thirds. So maybe you should too. I know I do. Anyway, 
Caesar. Spread oh, the virus. I mean, stop the virus. Well, stop I, the curve. <laughs> I, I flatten the curve. To another podcast called Science Versus. And one of the questions I think they tackled in one of the episodes was how much bacteria or like germs, just viruses and stuff are actually kept away from your butt whenever you put like that cover on the toilet seat. And the number is basically zero, like, because they're just so tiny. They just transfer through most. Yeah, pieces of 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 paper and stuff. Which is a next uh, perfect little segue into the next question that leads on to this. Okay, so the last one was who used paper towels to avoid germs. This one is percentage of Americans in for this is for public restrooms only. Okay. Percentage of Americans who flush with their feet. I want to say fifty percent. I want to say forty. That's funny you guys say that because it's the law of averages work here. It's 44%. Ah, I was close. You guys work, you guys worked together on that one. The average of the two worked in your favor. I just want to say that probably a lot of guys don't do it, but girls do it. Yeah, definitely. Girls carrying the team on that one. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do if it's like a really gross toilet. But if it's like, you know, an airport one that's... You, well, I mean, I feel like at like that one, point, dude... If you're taking a sh- if you're using a public restroom, like you really don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you really don't care. You have no guess. Mm. All right, I'm just putting raw cheeks on it. Like, I bet. Fuck it. I mean, if you went to LUSD, you never even had like those paper covers anyway, because they, they exactly, never- dude. You never had locks on the door. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and the last one in the uh, the public restroom trifecta: the percentage of Americans. In public restrooms, who hover over the toilet seat, like squat over it? Yeah, who don't? You were talking about that, not even using that thing. They just hover over it. You know, they pop a squat, so there's no. Oh, that's that's no doing butt. the most, dude. Fifteen percent. You're playing a dangerous game there. I'm saying twenty percent. So fifteen and twenty. You got to think of the women on this one too. It's twenty nine percent. I feel like wow. a lot of girls who probably, you know, that that's their main method of using the restroom is so they well, do it you know you got to give anatomical uh you gotta look at it anatomically as well mm-hmm. if you're gonna understand i guess it. i guess we hover over the toilet when we pee uh that doesn't count that unless doesn't you're count. A, unless you're a squatter like freddie <laughs> <laughs> nah dude i'm a bare ass yeah wait you don't use the cover <laughs> wait, you wait. Covers? no <laughs> why not because you already said Fuck it, I don't care. I'm already getting the bacteria. I mean, Caesar just put Caesar just kind of justified my point that the fucking paper does absolutely Wait. nothing. So you put a piece of paper on your hand to open the door, but you'll put your raw cheeks on the toilet seat where someone just crapped. <laughs> <laughs> where there's like water splashing. <laughs> Let's open this up for debate. What's the difference, dude? It's, you just justify yourself. It's okay. there's no there's no difference. If it's a if it's a psychological thing that you makes you feel better, by all means, do it. But it's just a placebo. It but at least do you give it like a once over with some toilet paper. Like you give it, you know. If oh you yeah, some, dude. Some little drops I mean, of piss. You're like. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I do when I go in there is like I look at the state of the toilet. <laughs> if it looks like Hiroshima, I go to the next stall. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think a hundred percent of people do that, unless yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you're taking a shit in the woods. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. But this is for public <laughs> restrooms only. All right. All right. I've got a couple more here. All right. They're not as timely, but they're they're fun. All right. Percentage of Americans who believe that enjoying one's career is essential to a fulfilling life for a man. For a man? Yes. 30. 30? Freddy? I'm going to be devil's advocate and say 45. It's actually 57%. Wow. So it actually seems you need to enjoy. That's, that's actually a lot lower than I thought. You, what do you mean? You just said it. You said. See, I thought the right answer was 30, but what I really thought was like high 90s. The one no, that, that, may, that makes sense. It's you understand, Look at it from cultural terms. Uh, America's all about putting yourself forward, whereas if you're somewhere else, it'd be, it'd be like, I don't give a fuck if you get enjoyment from it. Does it pay the bills? Yeah, if you were like in France where like yeah. they have like a whole month of vacation and stuff like yeah. It's not about the bottom line. It's about chilling. Mm-hmm. Siesta. It's a tough question. I mean, uh, but it's obviously we have a, the reverse side of the coin here. So this is the percentage of Americans who believe that enjoying one's career is essential to a fulfilling life for a woman. Ooh, I want to say it's like... I'm going to say 65. I'm going to say like... 20%. So you Freddie, you think it's higher than a man's? I think women, yeah. Are all say, people being pulled? Yes, everyone's being pulled. I want to say like well, I'll stick to 30. And Freddie, so Caesar said 30, Freddie one I said more time. 65, 65. 65. I think the law of averages works again here. It's 46. So it's oh, less wow. than um so take that as you will. Um We'll go with a couple more here. Just seeing the ones that are fun. Oh, here's a good one. If you've ever been on an airplane, you'll, you'll know. Okay, so the number of times that the price of an average U.S. domestic flight changes in a week. The average amount of times? The, yeah, the number of times that the price of an average U.S. domestic flight changes in a week, in one week. 5,000. You think one flight, the price changes 5,000 times in a yeah. week? All right. For the ready? same seat? No, no, just the, yeah, I guess same. It, I mean, they're all, you know, same class of seats. Okay. I'm going to say, because I've seen it go up before, I'm going to say eight times. Eight and 5,000. Yeah. It's the correct answer is 59. So, like, really? that surprised me seeing that. I was like, wow, that's like, 59 times. Jeez. That's pretty low. I didn't I didn't think that many what times. What are you talking about, Caesar? That's like eight that's like eight times in a day, Caesar. Yeah. Well, why would okay, Caesar, why'd you say five thousand? Yeah, what the fuck? I mean because <laughs> like it's it's one of those things where like there's so many variables and variables involved in the pricing where like you get you know the, the price one so day and then it, it gets it low, it gets it high. It's it literally like by a cent. Okay, okay. But so here's it'll be thirty dollars, thirty dollars and one cent, thirty dollars, thirty dollars and two cents. Then here, this is the perfect lead into the next question. So the average percentage by which the price fluctuates with each change. Okay, let me do this. Okay, I'm gonna say like ten to twelve percent. Uh, Let's say two to five percent. No, twelve percent. I've seen how they go. You guys both underestimated. It's twenty five percent. 
25. Jesus. So I, I said two five percent. You said two to five. Shut up. <laughs> so the next time you book a flight, put a book flight it. tracker or something on it. I mean, when Dude, we book it early, man. Well, I just got a VPN for my computer and I can change the region of where my computer shows itself to be. And apparently one of the advantages of a VPN is that I can purchase flights from different regions of the world. And for some reason, prices are different. So that's Biden, I check Biden pesos. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's still something I haven't experimented with, but it's definitely something I want to learn about. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah write those down. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, but that's crazy. I mean, I don't know if buying it early is the right move. Maybe buy, wait till the last minute. I don't know. Or wait until there's a pandemic and the prices go down. Yeah. yeah. That's the move. All right. We'll do one more. How about that? One more? One more. All right. Speaking of pesos, kind of. Estimated amount that Utah spent last year <laughs> sending public employees to Mexico to buy cheaper medicine. So it's it's in dollars, not in pesos. I thought it was going to be how, some how much money? about like yeah, immigrants. So, so how much money? Estimate, uh, estimated amount in dollars that Utah spent last year sending public employees to Mexico to buy cheaper medicine. Mm, I'm going to say five thousand. Forty million. Forty million. Okay, it's. So five thousand says Caesar, forty million says Freddie. So this is the bulk, correct, so. correct answer, two hundred and fifty thousand. Hmm. So in between that, okay. but you got to think like what <laughs> pretty the long, heck? pretty large range there though. Yeah, but like, what are they doing? What are those Utah public employees doing? Like, is that is that kosher? Like, is that I'm pretty sure that's illegal? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't really understand this question, but I guess Utah's doing it a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear of dudes going to TJ to buy steroids at the Mexican pharmacies. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know like, if it's a state mandating it is a whole different thing. I know plenty of people do it and just to do it, but I didn't know if like the government did it too. Like public employees, maybe it's like a, they have some sort of thing in Utah where that it's a different law, but I wonder what kind of, I wish there was a stat that says the the medicine that was most used, and I bet it's a probably a painkiller medicine. Probably, yeah. Yeah, like what is? I wonder what industry is the the strongest in Utah. I have a feeling, Tony, it'd be like something like insulin. I don't know why. I just gather it would be insulin. Actually, I have another one for that too. That's actually probably it because here we go. The average U.S. retail price for a vial of prescription insulin. Without insurance? Yes. $2,000. 2000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to say 750 You guys both overestimated. 400 bucks retail for a price of a vial of insulin. Just like one of those little guys. Wow. But here we go. The average Craigslist price for one. <laughs> Sixty dollars for vial, dude. Sixty bucks for vial, Freddie. Okay, so it goes for four hundred. Okay, I'm gonna go back to my number and say seven fifty. Seven fifty? Yeah. So you think it costs more on Craigslist than it does retail. 
I would think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> average price, average Craigslist price, $30. What did I say? You said I said, 60 I said 30 huh? You said $30 for a vault? Wow. Yeah, so... Craigslist I guess market. like if you go right now on Craigslist, there's probably a lot of insulin because a lot of people are really doing some spring cleaning and cleaning out the home. And finding some probably insulin. just got a vial of insulin in the cabinet yeah. to put it on Craigslist. I mean, dude, how do you know that's like real insulin, dude? You could just be injecting sugar water. That's the thing too. I mean, you hope it's sealed and and right. But that made me think, reading the stat made me think of, I see these, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's like ads you see on the street of like, you know, in cardboard boxes like, Oh we yeah, buy, we buy diabetic strips. That's true. It's like, I wonder if those are the same guys. Where do you <laughs> the same it's only in the hood, bro, insulin, dude. Like, just like cardboard signs on on street on you know street lamps and we everything. We buy diabetic strips. What yeah, we like saying we we buy diabetes test strips. Call this number. Like, <laughs> what like are they for? So, yeah, like, but I bet it's. Ha- can we can we call one of them once on the line? on the tape or <laughs> definitely we should do it yeah i mean i want to say that there could be like a reputable business that does it if they like sterilize them and put them back into use but if you're writing it on a cardboard piece of paper and putting it on a, on a lamppost you're probably not a reputable company yeah. i mean what's the proper you usually incinerate all medical waste i don't see why you want to collect used test strips mm, very good segue i us. thought they didn't do i thought they didn't use what do you mean? Like I thought like, they I thought they only bought non like fresh ones that like they're not no, used. they they buy used test strips. Who's <laughs> why is anyone buying diabetic test strips? So they could resell them. Like if you have unused ones, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's just call the number and we'll get the information. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta drive out and just look around for <laughs> one of those signs. <laughs> we buy diabetes test strips. Um, there's, there's a ton more on this Harper's Index. There's about like twenty or thirty of them, but I, I kind of found the best one. Oh, here, okay, one more, just as an encore. Okay, how about that, guys? One how more. About that. All right. Okay. <laughs> Percentage of Americans who believe. Their person, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, actually, this one percentage of Democrats who believe that their personal finances will improve over the next year. Uh, Democrats, yes, who believe that their personal finances will improve over the next year. 60%. I feel like they're straight doomers, bro. I'm gonna say 20. I'm gonna say 20. Caesar. Looked at my page. It I was sixty percent. It. It's sixty exactly sixty. Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. Good bad, Caesar. All right, but on the opposite side of the coin, percentage of Republicans who believe that their personal finances will improve over the next year. Seventy. Sixty-five. Eighty-three. Wow. So whole I lot guess. of optimism, man. Yeah. You know that's kind of interesting because. Remember when you told me about Harper's and I was wondering like what what uh, side they lean towards? Mm-hmm. And I want to say that no matter, you know, how much a literary magazine tries to, you know, have statistical representation of, you know, the country rather than an, an individual group, mm-hmm. 
it's it's interesting that a left leaning magazine ended up even though like getting a higher representation of Republicans. Yeah. I was thinking that too of like Harper's. I was thinking who their target audience mm-hmm. is. It's sort of like a mid like it, they're not centrist. Sort of, yeah, they're sort of centrists who you know hi, hi, highly educated. A lot of them are like academics or professors who you know read a lot. Um, when I think literary magazines, I think like uh, a Southern gentleman. Har- Harper's Magazine just makes me think of that. I think they are their main headquarters is in Iowa, so hmm. that's sort Why of. Do I, I get like a Georgia vibe from that. Yeah, that's why like, like someone like just Hoppers a literary magazine. group. Yeah, Harper's like, Magazine. They meet up to Harper's Index Magazine. Have books and yeah. like. <laughs> I think of the oh. Colonel just sitting on a porch sipping lemonade. Yeah, let's get into our next segment. This is a fun segment. It's been a long time in coming, but let's go into that. <laughs> All right, so this segment is called The Generationals. It's a one-time, probably one-time only segment, but we have Freddie here, a clinical psychologist in the making, um, marriage and family therapy, right? In the making. Marriage in the making. Marriage in the making. Family (laughs) in the making. So I thought something that we find we could do here is – we talk about generations a lot, like, oh, Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, Boomers. Right. I thought mm-hmm. what we talk about a lot about is their characteristics as an individual uh, sort of generation. But I think what is often left out of the conversation is what type of parents some you know, a, a millennial or a Gen Z has, and if you know, say you have a boomer, ba- baby boomer parent or a Gen X parent, how there's sort of archetypal parenting structures can influence you as a millennial or as a Gen Z. So uh, we're gonna go through this. We're gonna go millennial with boomer parents, Gen Z with boomer parents, millennial with Gen X parents, Gen Z with Gen X parents. We're gonna go through those four because that's sort of what we, you know, sort of feel close to yeah it's the main population right now um and yeah we'll see how it goes with all of us talking about it so we've categorized it so let's get into it you guys ready yeah a quick Uh, question though how have you categorized millennials and gen z because uh i feel like i'm in i'm in the cusp i'm like december 96 so that's that's perfect because the first question is we're gonna set ground rules and what okay. do we identify as? So, Freddie, what do you you what do you identify as? Because uh, okay, you're on the cusp. I don't know. I, Caesar, I feel like we're in a, all of us maybe are in a weird sort of. Yeah, are we Gen Z? Yeah. Are we millennial? Like, but I consider myself a Zoomer. You're a Zoomer. I'm a I'm a moomer because I'm kind of both. I, I have I have millennial aspects and very Gen Z aspects. Well, what's the millennial aspect? objectively i so, guess like so i've got stuff. a i've got a thing here that has uh this sort of a little infographic um so millennials their main thing was um according to this infographic it's anyone born 1981 to 95 so so i'm a zoomer so they remember their formative experiences were obviously 9-11 the Invention of the PlayStation, social media, invasion of Iraq, 
Reality TV, Google Earth, Glastonbury. Why does it say that? I don't know why that's What's Glastonbury? Glastonbury. I think it's like Coachella type thing, you know, like music festivals. Oh, yeah, it's Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah. Millennials, Freddie. We don't go to Glastonbury. Well, the thing is, too, I, I guess. okay, what I thought of was since you guys especially have older siblings who fall way more into millennials, and right. I, in some way, I feel like that sort of can influence how you guys grew up, you know, with being around your siblings. Um, what, what do you, what would, would you guys say that? How are you guys influenced by your siblings? I think, yeah, when I, when I say I had that dual aspect, I think, um, I think it is just some rub off from my older brother because he's definitely a millennial. So I think just, I don't know, man. I, if you I guys, did, you I guys think, uh, rubbing each other off? Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I I I think what I I think what I, I mean as like an adopted mindset was like you're a little more hard headed. You're a lot more um, you're not pessimistic, but you're a lot more of a realist. And like I don't know, when I think of a zoomer, I think it's almost like they have this blind optimism. You know, we're the zoomers. So Generation Z, yeah, more ground rules. Wait, Caesar, what? So you're saying you're a Zoomer, but you, at the same time, you have older siblings too. So yeah. like, and we talked about the what category would the they fall in? Like, like, like your brother 80s. was literally in the in the fought a war. Yeah, so Generation Y. He's Generation Y, aka Millennials. So, um, but Gen Z, economic downturn as a formative experience, global so warming. Gen Y are the Millennials? Yes. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm super influenced by that in, in that, um, I mean, I got older siblings. You probably, you don't have any, right? Like, Not, you are the older sibling. Right. But um, I think one of the biggest things for me is is music taste, mm-hmm. where I think if, if someone can influence your music taste, that can influence a lot about the things you end up liking and the things you relate to. That's and true. so I think, like, I've I've had multiple instances in my life where I'll listen to certain artists um, and then people that are older than me that are like in their thirties are like, why do you like them? Like, they'll just think it's really odd because it's, it's, I think you have people that like them, I guess, but don't really like, like a whole group of artists. So like, you'll have maybe someone my age that likes, I want to say like system of a down or something like that. Yeah. But you don't really have people that like system of a down core and like all those brother bands and stuff those, like that. Uh, new that metal group, type. Yeah, yeah. That whole group of bands. Um, and so I think since I grew up with siblings, I listened to all them and we'd had all the CDs in the house. I just kind of picked them up and listened to them. Yeah, too. definitely. That, that has, I guess, had an impact in my, in my views. Yeah. Cause like music, it, it's not, it's kind of like a lifestyle sort of thing of like, it's not just like the music you listen to sort of reflects in some way your outlook. It at least life. attempts to, I don't want to say brainwashing because that has a bad connotation, but <laughs> What's what's a, a proper way of saying brainwashing? Um, I guess it influences. Influence, right? yeah. yeah. Like yeah. like it, a perfect example would be Serge Tankian from System of a Down. Like a bunch of his songs are about like his political views and and different things like that. Like, uh-huh. um, and I think that could have really influenced my views growing up. And your older siblings just turned you on to it, and you're like, hell yeah! I mean, Rage Against the Machine. Their literal band name is like, yeah, you know, fuck capitalism and stuff. Like yeah. That. <laughs> so like, music can have a great yeah. impact on your life. If someone can turn you on to a certain style, that can really affect your life, because mm-hmm. a style of music can have a like a bunch of messages that are unique to that style. Yeah, straight up. Like the blues are about being a sad boy. 
Man, so it's like the blues going on. I was just got the blues. I mean, I used to just make that towards indie music. And I think where does indie, you know, I like to think of like the foundations of like modern indie music began with millennials, I'd say. And then now you got like bedroom pop, which is just like it's the soundtrack of the Zoomer generation. Is is Morrissey a millennial? No. He's a boomer. <laughs> is he? Morrissey's a boomer? No, he's a Gen X. He is Gen X. I gotta say he's Gen X. <laughs> Morrissey. He looks like a boomer. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of does. Moves he, like a boomer, talks like a boomer. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. He could be he could be boomer if he's born before nineteen sixty. The only thing not boomer fact, about him is can his, you fact check that what, I got him. was was Morrissey born? I'm gonna say if he's sixty-five, then he's a Gen X. And Morrissey was born in oh, he's a boomer. I gotta say he's pre sixty fifty-nine. Fifty-nine? I got Dominique Morisseau. <laughs> oh my god. I missed 1959. He's a boomer. Fifty-nine, so yeah, he's right at the last end of the You just want to learn about Dominique Morisseau? Come on. No, no. Uh, who's okay, sure. One one sentence. She has authored over nine plays. Oh, that's kind of cool. Wow, she's a screenwriter. That's sweet. Playwright. Oh, playwright. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but Gen Z, they formative experiences were economic downturn, global warming, global focus, mobile devices, energy crisis, Arab Spring, which I just learned about recently. They produced their own media. Kaboom. Um Cloud computing and WikiLeaks. <laughs> cloud computing. Yeah, with the cloud, bro. You it's know just the cloud? funny that it's like a thing. This is cloud. okay. This is a UK chart. This is literally a UK chart, but it's still sort of, at least in the UK, where I feel it's a lot more uh, uh, stagnant, sort of uh, not only political, but like class kind of. UK? Uh, yeah, especially in, in the UK. If you're middle class, you're definitely staying middle. Is like, it like that? In the UK, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Social welfare, baby. Well, they didn't include the ShamWow. That's how I knew it wasn't an American list. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, dude. They didn't include ShamWow. They didn't include the flex tape. They didn't include all the memes. <laughs> flex tape. <laughs> didn't. Did you guys ever watch Chef Tony growing up? I was. Yeah. I was Emerald. I was Emerald Lagasse. I was Alton Brown, and I was. Um. um I mean, I watched Food Network. I don't. I don't think Chef Tony was a reputable chef. He was just an an infomercial chef that uh. tried to sell me Chef Tony products. <laughs> but I used it's to love like, watching Chef it's Tony like George commercials. Foreman, dude. Yeah, the commercials were so long. Yeah. Anyways, well, that's the thing. Is okay before we really get into the parenting things. I think like it's sort of, I in some way. I felt Gen Z, but now that I'm entering the workforce, I'm sort of becoming or performing as a millennial in a way. Right. I'm working with millennials and I'm like in this space. And yes, I am like technically Gen Z, but it's weird. Like I'm like sort of growing into this because once you enter the workforce, it's like a different sort of thing. Because um, it's a big thing. It's like in this infographic percentage in the UK workforce, millennials make up twenty nine percent, and specifically for Gen Z, they're this in this infographic that they are 
in working in part-time jobs or in just apprenticeships. So I don't know. Different just phases in life. Yeah, it's sort of like a different phase. So it's like if maybe you are like Freddie, for instance, like you're in grad school, which is sort of like still like a middle area. And yes, you have internships and apprenticeships. Yeah. Like I bet once you're fully into the into like the workforce and have, you know, your own sort of practice or you're saving marriages. (laughs) Yeah, that's like a different thing. (laughs) Losing your license. Um, um, I don't know. I like. Would you would you say that once you got a job, Caesar, you felt more of like a millennial in a way? Yeah, I mean, or Freddie too. I was gonna say, man. You know, I think I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Zoomer until real world hit me. I got a job, and I just realized. I think I just you know embraced my inner millennial, where you just kind of like, man, this really fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> like. Yeah. Like the current workforce, like just how the status of things where it's just like, you know, you can work your ass off, but you just get faced with the reality of you can't really beat the classism. Yeah. It's tough because the boomers own all of it, right? Yeah. I feel like a boomer when I'm at work because especially <laughs> since I work in like the science field, um, a lot of the scientists and just general employees are like mid thirties and up. And there's maybe like, three of us uh, even under 30 i want to say like everyone's pretty pretty old Mm -hmm. um and so i i feel like the gap between me entering the workforce and like feeling like i'm like an actual professional which i think might like the transition for me was pretty quickly from you know going from i feel like someone that got a job to someone that feels like a professional and i i feel like that went fairly quickly for me just because i was with a bunch of adults and and right. sometimes when you get a job, even if it's like at a super good company and, and you're getting really good money, but you're working with a bunch of young kids like yourself, sometimes it doesn't really feel like like you know you're you're a professional now working in your career and stuff because it's just you and a bunch of like you you feel like you're around kids and friends you know, mm-hmm. um, but since I'm b- b- around a bunch of old people, I just feel like like a boomer. <laughs> like, oh yeah. well, they well Gen Gen X if they're yeah like, like they're just like they're just they're like I, I want to say like some of them I'll talk to them like when I barely started there I'll talk to one guy and he's like oh sorry guys I can't hang out after I gotta go pick up my kids and I thought homie was like 22 or something but homie's like 35 with like three kids <laughs> I'm like what oh, like, well that's that's millennial too I think if you're in the mid 30s too you're you're still millennial that's the thing yeah you're the you're the older millennials if you're yeah pushing 40 you're you're a older millennial yeah, which still have their own sort of thing, but yeah, yeah a level thirty-six millennium. Yeah, <laughs> they've they've uh, got the levels. All right, let's get into it. So, if you're a millennial and you have boomer parents, what do you think happens? What what are your characteristics? I mean, one, your parents are gonna be like. I feel like it's a weird spot where, like, you sort of had a gap in between, like. Yeah. Like, what do you what do you think, Freddie? Well, you see, man, I feel like from my family, I have mixed generation parents. I have a, a boomer dad and a Gen X mom. And then, you know, I have some Gen X siblings, a millennial sibling, and then there's me, which is why, you know, I like to think from my dad, I got that, like, just, you know, don't fucking bitch and moan, just do what needs to be done, like that boomer aspect. 
and then you know that gen x kind of rebelling against that aspect or just fuck everything that's kind of like the zoomer aspect of me uh-huh. i think you know that's why i have that split generational identity to be like i'm not quite boot i'm not quite millennial but i ain't quite zoomer either <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds like a, a great country song <laughs> i ain't quite I ain't boomer quite, i ain't quite zoomer <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah definitely i for me i'm a gen z i mean for this sake of this exercise but my parents are both boomers and for me specifically they are so non-technical like they their relationship with technology is so different they they're, they're boomers uh, yeah yeah both before 1960 late, bo- late boomers late late boomers they had you when they were older right yeah yeah they had you when they're older so like they don't use really facebook that much um having to teach my parents how to like send videos or text messages or just whole that thing is just completely foreign to them they didn't their relation like my dad read they read the newspaper every day you know like straight up they they're keeping journalism they got they you know first thing in the morning is they go out my dad or my mom goes out and picks up the newspaper from the driveway and that's a vibe and say yeah i'm trying to get at that yeah so it's like when you're engaging with this like newspaper sort of thing and like you know my mom loves tv and Do they just yell at the paper kid in the morning <laughs> we never see them like, as soon as paper truck, by, bro. Like, it's a truck yeah, but funny enough <laughs> funny story my dad like literally used to when he was like a 13 years old he used to be the paper like paper out on his bike and throw papers that's the boomer job dude that's yeah, a boomer dude. summer job yeah he was telling, he told me last time i was home like yeah, I I, was, I made fifteen bucks a month, and I was or fifteen bucks a week, and I I was the, the rich kid in school, you know, because he had that. That's true. Income. Like when you're in elementary school or like in middle school, any literally, if you have five dollars, <laughs> you're balling. Yeah, if you're the kid that's making fifteen a week, you might as well be selling yeah. weed. Like, yeah, you're making money. Yeah, but just that's I, I don't know my so it's weird with that boomer mindset sort of passed down to me it's like you know i still enjoy the uh the the old styles the old vintage you know maybe that's why i'm into all this you know vintage stuff and like old like record players and all that and i I do like to read but um, i'm I'm gonna get my la time subscription now (laughs) i have one but it's just digital yeah i have a i had a digital one but yeah, I have my whole like, especially now with this whole quarantine thing, I have my little morning routine where I just get up. You know, you've seen me. I make my little coffee. Um, I, I cook it up on the pan, which apparently is going to give me cancer and heart disease. Um, and then after that, I, I go do some studying because I'm preparing for a graduate exam. Um, but that's like my little routine right now. And while I'm doing that, I listen to like NPR news. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking... Might you know might do that little newspaper in the morning. <laughs> That's the thing is that I don't have that a, a like as part of that Gen Z is that having that a, attention span or lack of attention span where like if it's not like five seconds, <laughs> if I don't get something in five seconds, then I'm just like whatever. And yeah. at least with the paper, it's like this big thing you get to hold. That I, I like that part of like you having your coffee and just having this big sort of ledger sized paper across the 
across your face, you know, and uh, react just having that experience. But with online, it's different, you know. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. I, I like podcast yeah. news because you know you just turn it on first thing in the morning. That's what I do now. I make my coffee. I'm listening to it. Yeah. You're learning. You're just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, I I feel like my listening has gotten better. Definitely you pay attention to podcasts. Otherwise, you won't. Definitely, you just play the whole hour and won't. Well, that's a good anything. thing too. With Gen Z, as the podcast game is unreal. I mean, YouTube and YouTube too. TikTok. Yeah. Now that's the one thing TikTok. I feel like that's if you use TikTok, you're a full zoomer. You're a full zoomer. Yeah. And you never go full zoomer. <laughs> yeah. So, I know. Caesar, you're sort of mixed. I know. Would you classify your parents as more of boomer or, or Gen X? Super boomer. Super boomer. Yeah. <laughs> what year were they born? My dad's from the fifties. Oh, see, so yeah, my dad's from the fifties. My mom's from the sixties, but so that's technically, if you're from the sixties, Gen X technically, but yeah, but they're they're pretty middle, alike. middle sixties. Yeah, middle sixties is Gen X. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my mom doesn't really know how to use computers. Yeah, neither does my my dad. And then they like me, where like it just says a really generic joke, and then there's like a minion in it. So I don't know, man. You, 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 your dad's a pro on Facebook Live, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a pro trash talker. <laughs> nah, but I mean, I think. The 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 fact that they're Latino when when people I think talk about boomers I think one of the biggest thing that at least our generation considers is their political views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think my my parents are super boomer in that they're like hardcore Christian, but at the same time it's it's interesting to me that they're hardcore Christian but they're not fundamentalist somehow. So like I think <laughs> that they're very progressive in their Christian views. I think just because they grew up in L.A. I mean they they've established themselves in yeah. L.A. and that just has such an influence on you. But they are also very Christian. Yeah. But they at the same time, I feel like they also are, like, rooted in, like, science. Like, they're not just, like, you know, like, they believe in, in facts and, and, you know, yeah. the whole thing, too. <clears throat> I think, right? too, just just since since I, like, you know, I went to university and studied science. And um, I think something that maybe people who don't have immigrant parents might not understand is that I think, like, my parents, when they found out that I that I wasn't, you know, or not not me, maybe, but when they, my dad, he took classes at Duke at one point for like divinity school, um, mm-hmm. and when he found out that all the students didn't go to class wearing full suits, he was like confused <laughs> because to him, you know, like going to college is like the greatest honor, right? Yeah, you, know, you don't you don't get this opportunity, and you know, you go, you show up thirty minutes early, uh-huh. you you set up. You, study your notes and stuff you show up in a full suit you're ready to go you take off your hat because that's rude well that's and, and that's across the board where yeah like inside. i think for me like just in my whole view of things that's something that they brought into my life i think yeah <laughs> just that uh yeah dude that that we don't have those i mean yeah i agree with caesar because we're kind of we're on the same theme and like my parents came here from mexico my dad barely made it past sixth grade my mom got a GED here I think from them I learned that same thing that and that's why I kind of say like I don't I don't have that same entitlement that the younger generations in America might have in that you know their parents had the found work the framework to set them up 
to be where they're at or even higher. Mm-hmm. It's funny that even the GED, like if you were to go yeah. flex that in Mexico, people would be like, "Damn!" It's but like smart. out here, you know, you got a G, you got any like you got the GD, the GED. People are like, "Okay, like, yeah." So what? <laughs> now it's like you have a college degree, and like, so what? In a lot of cases, like you have to, like they're saying, you know, masters is the new bachelor's. I mean, like, you know, that's not even true though. I, I, I look at some in, stats bro. and like I. Yeah, hey, Freddie, Freddie, the intern. Can you look that up, actually? Yeah, fuck my check. I mean, dude, look at the population of how many people in this country have a master's. It's not that high. Yeah, like it's, the bachelor either. Like it's actually pretty low. Yeah, I mean, I think it saturates the market because a lot more people have it. Yeah, I but, guess relative you know, to how it was. Yeah, but I mean, even with a high school diploma, I think the U.S. is still like I want to say like around seventy percent. Like. If you can't get over like 70, like close to 100 with a high school diploma, then the bachelor is still a reach, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. from there, a master's and then the doctorates. And it's like, all right. Yeah. But at the same time, Freddie's pursuing a master's. Cesar, you're considered, you're on that track to also do grad. So like still, you're yeah. still trying to to get it. So here we go. Two thirds of us. You know, that's what I'm saying, bro. We got, we got to cash moves. in. Yeah. We got to cash in and get the monopoly on on masters before all the other zoomers get it yeah i think the the cool thing about a masters is that the majority of them are like they're kind of like an apprenticeship where you you know you're you're learning and then you're also doing like training and stuff Mm, because they're two years of just specialized work um so i think a masters if anything is probably maybe more you have to get the bachelor's to get to the masters but i want to say the masters is more worth it than a bachelor's because sometimes in a bachelor's you'll waste your time studying something you kind of didn't even like and then your master's, mm-hmm. you'll get to train for something that you actually think yourself you'll be well, in a career learning, in. Yeah, and it's you're, definitely you're gonna, the whole. And it's like, especially with the master's, like that has to get you a job, right? And, and or yeah, then you're just. Wasting I mean, out. the majority of masters, like, I I know, like when when we hire at my workplace, you know, we're we're in the sciences, and and one of the biggest things in the sciences is if you have experience in a laboratory, and um, on a lot of our job postings, it'll say you must have five years of laboratory experience, Damn. or a master's and one year or like a master's and an internship because in a master's you'll have really specialized training and laboratory work a lot of times that makes sense like if you got a master's in like molecular biology then you'll know all the techniques because you did it a million times for two years right okay speaking of all these generational parenting moving back to that i think let's so we're so we're all gen z's here right let's just with an asterisk we're all gen z's yeah I feel like if you have Gen X parents, you're like chill in a lot of ways. Yeah, you probably like you're well accustomed. You're like, you know, your parents can still use like they know how to use technology in a way. And like you can <laughs> vibe way, with that's them. A, that's a great thing to add. And yeah, and you could vibe with them in a way <laughs> um, like they have a good work life balance and um, like, you know, they can use a computer um, in a way. In a way, in some sort of way. Um, I mean, okay, so Gen X characteristics, um, they sort of remember the end of the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall. That's crazy. They remember saying Reagan, saying Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Um, Margaret Thatcher. um, Well, this is for the UK Gen Xs. (laughs) Gen Xs. Um, Winston Church, <laughs> but also at the same time, also at the same time, 
with Gen X, rising levels of divorce. Whereas in with baby boomers, they think, you know, this is my one wife. I'm going to stick with them. And I'm so goddamn sweaty right now. It's so hot. Yeah, it's hot in here. But that's another one, too, is with Gen X, like, that's another part of it. And right now, they take up 35% of the workforce, the most out of, apparently, in this poll, out of all the generations. So they're sort of like the, the motor right now. Um, if you're born from 1961 to 1980. I don't know. I, I mean, technically, my aunts and uncles are Gen X. Um, because my, uh, at least a couple of them are, but right. I don't know. And they, it's weird. Cause they use like Facebook a lot more. And like, like for instance, my dad is like, he see, he doesn't go on Facebook cause he sees like my uncle, his brother posts on Facebook about something. And it's like, why post about it? It's like meaningless. Like who cares that you, <laughs> went to a restaurant and got a margarita with your wife. Like who literally cares? And look at all these comments the saying like, does. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, look at all these comments that mean nothing, you know, maybe my dad's just like emo. That's woke. He's like, he's like, um, everyone's saying like, Oh, that looks so good. Like, congratulations. Like it's just, it's all just fluff. You know, congrats on life, bro. He's just salty that he doesn't know how to use a computer. That's what I said. I was like, Dad, it's just daily life, and sometimes you just need to remember. Like sometimes, sometimes you just gotta gotta celebrate the little things. Honestly, that's 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 me right now in quarantine. I feel like social media is so meaningless right now. Like, yeah. I haven't even. The only reason I get on now is really just to check messages. Means I'm, I'm I've already like gotten rid of my Facebook, my Snapchat. I've already like deleted it. Yeah. The the last step is Instagram. But um, it's I just have so many friends. It's gonna be difficult to transition. Like, and I can't just I have like friends that are girls that are good friends too. I can't just DM in my number because that's gonna be like weird. You know? So like I gotta be on there for a bit, you know, just to send messages. And that's stuff. the thing is that in with our generation, we're in this stage where like a lot of us use Facebook Messenger or Instagram DMs to reach out to other people as like a form of communication. So like it's hard to get off of social media when you use it, not just to post pictures, but to, to keep in touch a with phone number friends. is obsolete. It's not obsolete. I mean, just call me on Insta. For, yeah. For a, <laughs> you a, got a, more information there. Anyway, <laughs> call me on, on mensajero on my WhatsApp. What's why up? Do I, <laughs> why do I just pay for like a LTE connection? Why do I need a number? That's true. I mean, that's. I'm sure people are thinking about that. I mean, why? Yeah, plenty of people use WhatsApp. WhatsApp, but um, when your girl comes back like with a WhatsApp, Freddie. Well, from Mexico, bro, it's over. <laughs> well, that's the thing. In a lot of countries, like I forget what country, but instead of like calling a business, you just message them on WhatsApp. Like what? You saw like, that in Parasite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In Korea, in Korea, Korea Mexico. What? On cacao. I think that's like the Korean WhatsApp. Yeah. It goes, uh oh. <laughs> that's the notification. <laughs> yeah. You probably heard of that in your life at one point, but just didn't know it was someone's cacao. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I want to talk on millennials with Boomer and Gen X parents, but at the same time, I haven't really had that experience of being a millennial. I have a question about Gen Xers. Okay. I don't know if you guys can help. Uh, maybe. 
maybe Freddy since he has a Gen Xer in his life. Actually, you, Protus, you have Gen X uncles. Uh huh. Do you think, I don't know the numbers about this, but from my perspective and what I've been shown in life, you know, all the Gen Xers are the wild cocaine addicts that went to Vietnam and came back. Uh, Gen Xers? You yeah. Mean, Gen what? Xers were alive for Vietnam, bro. Oh, no, they're from 1961. They were born in the so, 60s. So I they mean, would be a little bit too more. That's weird, though. They would See, be too young for Vietnam. That's even more interesting for me, then. That the baby they were the ones protesting Vietnam, in a way. Kind of. No, not Gen Xers. Okay, they were the ones protesting. They were like in the Gulf War. Gulf War. Yeah. That's that's really interesting to me because like baby boomers, it's it's like that meme of the person pushing the button and he's sweating and like the buttons contradict yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where like the baby boomers are super ignorant and lame, but they're also like the free love, smoke mm-hmm. weed all day, baby. Yeah, no, that's true. That's really so you can't like we you can't be both. You can't be the most ignorant. I guess if well, you're they, a that's the thing is they you can be both because they were and it's sort they, of like that. They were they into it, and then they, they forgot their roots. Yeah, yeah. People hate them because they know that's who they're going to become. What do you mean? Like right I now, mean, that, was, that was our camping trip, bro. You go to your Coachella. Boomers. You go to your Coachella and you do drugs <laughs> with your friends, and then fifty years from now, you're like, "What the hell are these kids doing at that Coachella doing drugs? Why don't they study instead?" Yeah, yeah, dude. What were all these boomers doing at Woodstock, dudes? Dropping acid for days on end. Fucking rant, have just having unprotected sex in the tent, dude. You can't talk shit in the mud if you're a real boomer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the mud, in the mud. Um, Summer '69, dude. Yeah. Another thing about Gen Xers is that they were loyal to their profession, but not necessarily to their employer. They mm. their signature product is the personal computer. Their communication style is through email and text message. And their preference when making financial decisions is online, but would prefer face-to-face if time permitting. Hmm. So, like, in that case, is like... Um, I thought with Gen Z, is like, we do not want to do face-to-face. We do not want to make the phone call. We, don't, we just want to... Even in like we want to find all the questions and answers online. We're the you know. social anxiety generation, dude. Right. I know sometimes at work, like we'll have vendors that come talk to us and like we'll have to sit down for a meeting and like I'll just be there and I I low key want to giggle because I feel so out of place like being in a business meeting like that because it's like it's just weird. It's like not a thing, you know, just just send me an email with your like rates and stuff. I don't want to. Yeah. And if I want to negotiate, maybe I'm like, all right, well, I'm interested in this. Boomer. But just sitting in there in the room and like everyone's clearly awkward. Everyone clearly wants each other's money. Yeah. Like we if we're going to do business, we're going to do business. Like what the hell's happening right now? Yeah, that's weird. I feel like because your company is kind of like it's it's not like it's still technically small, but there's a good amount of employees right and like yeah. different imp- apartments so like being in that sort of like shuffle of like of like all these multiple departments and like could just be it can get a little maybe weird weird vibes of just like you know uh being like loyal to the company and and like being representative of the company yeah 
I think loyalty. Do you feel loyal to? Do you feel like you'll be loyal in the future, Freddie, to a company or you first, like to to your employer? Especially, I, so. I want to say the one thing that could affect my my thinking is is being employed during coronavirus. I feel like that really affected how I see our company. Yeah, because it's like they they really it, it in their it's in their best interest to just get rid of a lot of people, and they didn't at least in my company they didn't get rid of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, wow, like that might actually affect turnover in the future. Like the fact that all the people who are here today could have been left hanging by the company. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in on that too. I mean, yeah, speaking of that, it's like I feel like this is making me more loyal, more glad that I have a job in this time with Corona. Yeah, I think if anything from I learned, and this is just my experience, like I I don't think I'm loyal to the employer. I'm just loyal to the sense of security I can get from it. The grind. I'm loyal. To, I mean, I'm loyal to the values I have in this profession. It's very values based. I'm yeah, I, 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 I vibe with that. I yeah. feel like I'm very mission driven and the things I do. And, and, you know, sometimes I, I don't know if they do that at your workplace, but sometimes in my work, like the, the CEO will start talking about the vision of the company and how what we're doing is really important and how it's helping the world and stuff. And I'll be like, wow, that is true. Like, I really like what we're doing. And then sometimes people will just be looking like they're falling asleep. And I'm like, do you guys not get inspired by this? Like, you guys don't like, I mean, like the vision? Like, and especially in your case where you're helping, like, at least right now, right? You're with, like, at-risk youths and stuff like that. Like, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, obviously to an employer, it depends. Like, do our values still align? And if not, then I remain loyal to myself. That's one thing I was thinking about is I know both of us, all of us are sort of just in that past phase of, like, post-undergrad. And I think a lot of people or maybe after college, once they get a job is like, they completely devote their full attention to their job. And like, you know, I'm going to give my life to this company. I'm going to do the best. I'm going to, you know, sort of in a way it made me think of like, maybe it is. Whereas in college you taking all these classes and you get to pull from a number of different sources and and information and once you get a job it's like you get have to do this one thing in this one task and you might have different projects going on but it's for like this one benefit of the company and in college like you get to have all this sort of get to learn all these cool things and it's like man and at least in me like that sort of spirit of wanting to learn about all these different topics that's not left me i'm still finding i want to learn more about different things that don't have to do with my job and I don't you know I want to have my own sort of personal experience that doesn't have to do with work and I mean it's I I still am wanting to be um invested in my company but at the same time like I'm we're all individuals trying to you know that's the zoomer in you exactly and I, you're yeah. an individual working for another individual yeah. Right. Yeah, I I think I think you can you can be both. Like I think it's possible to work for a company that makes someone a lot of money, but that's also like mission driven mm-hmm. and doing something good for the world. Yeah. I guess my thing is just like letting work consume you where it's yeah. like that's you're like 
you, you know, the whole thing of like work to live versus live to work. Well, if you're trying to retire by 30, you gotta let work consume you. Yeah, but then you have like <laughs> 70 years or however many years of just stag stagnation of just if you're just retired, <laughs> you're just not doing anything. And I can't, I don't know, I, I don't you like to be stagnant. Show. Yeah. I'll just work at the local Trader Joe's in your retirement. That's boring, though. <laughs> or juggle for the seniors at your local retirement home. That's stagnant. Why don't you go around planting trees? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess maybe another Gen Z thing is just always wanting growth. I mean, maybe that's just a capitalism thing, too. <laughs> just for real. Just I mean, you, you can be... Like if, if you just develop a great skill and then you retire, you can help a bunch of youngsters like you when when you were first developing. And then you're you're doing it purely for free because you're you're a self made man. The good of of your heart. Yeah. And do we have any uh, little closing thoughts for this segment? We're really we really went off on this one. What time is it? Eight thirty almost. Dang, I gotta go to work soon. I'm just kidding. I'm not letting work consume my life. I live to live, <laughs> not work to live. What is it? What's the saying? Live to, I, I work L- to live, not live not to work. Not live to work. Yeah. Oh. Any any bow ties? Any any I just want to make Jeff Bezos richer, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make the rich people richer. <laughs> I guess to close out, man, I guess you know, embrace the embrace a little bit of what we learned from each of the generations we interacted with because they all got something right and i mean if it ends up that you can fill up this bag of tricks you got i mean i guess you learned something from all of them Mm -hmm. yeah it's you sort of can i feel like that's another thing is like since we have all this things to access and we have all these this data in front of us is that we can pick and choose where to be influenced by and there's like you know the whole thing of fluidity whether that be in you know gender race (laughs) the whole thing is that there's a sense of generational fluidity and you know we're thinking you know embrace your inner boomer embrace your (laughs) inner gen xer embrace your inner millennial embrace your inner gen to be the best version you can be you know yeah that was a good bow tie. Yeah. All right. That was our segment. Freddie, do you want to do that last segment or, or do you just want to cap it off tonight and maybe uh, skip on to the next one? It, it's up to you guys. I don't know how long you guys want to make this podcast. I think it was a plenty segment for, it was definitely over an hour and we usually try to keep it an hour. So let's save the neurobiology and psychotherapy yeah, yeah. To, for. Can, can we end the episode with a, the audio from a Chef Tony commercial? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, instead of a song. All right. So we'll do the outro now. We'll okay. Do the outro. Keep it where me. Or we'll do the not the outro, but like the conclusion. Then the where we announce Chef Tony. Yeah. Chef Tony. All right. I, why can't I remember Chef Tony? I remember his. I'll play with you the video right now. I know. I can't remember like what. Chef I already Tony found the video. Was. Okay. Okay. Chef Tony here. All right. Three, two. Well, guys, that was pretty fun. I just noticed on this beer can for the One Sips Worms, the hop concept is THC. 
millennial breweries yeah. one hour from now we're just, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's gonna kick in so kind of funny all right hopefully that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah uh yeah. yeah hopefully you enjoyed this podcast we did a, we really tried to produce it well we had you know these fun segments um thanks again freddie for for joining us thank you for having me as always and caesar you had a fun little thing instead of that ending song what are we yeah, going so to so for a little bit of nostalgia for all my zoomers if you remember chef tony infomercials where he would sell the miracle you. blade what about a play for you a chef tony sure. commercial sure. i don't remember it but let's see here sure. i'm gonna share the screen <laughs> i'm gonna share the screen right now i want to see it too. <laughs> oh yeah we could we can react to it a little bit just to end it off and then how do yeah, i do, do it do, um i'll text you the link here it's i can just go on you already have a youtube open yeah, can you do you see my screen? Look up yeah. Chef Tony oh. Miracle Blade. <laughs> Chef Tony Miracle Blade three commercial. All right, you can see this, ready? Yeah, I can see everything. All Chef right, Tony. <laughs> Chef Tony. <laughs> Chef Tony was the best. It's nine minutes. No, this one. This one's short. This one. Okay. <laughs> Miracle Blade. Uh-oh. Did that dull knife turn your dinner into something you dread? Hi, I'm Chef Tony. And now there's a knife so sharp you can cut a pineapple in midair. It's the Miracle Blade 3 Perfection Series. This is my all-purpose slicer. The ultimate in slicer. Guaranteed to give you perfect results every time. That tomato is done. It's like having three knives. It's the original Fruit Ninja, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Rock hard. I always thought that was so cool. Oh wow. I don't know what you're saying about him not being a chef, Caesar. This dude's got some great hand control for how fast he's choppy. <laughs> Oh, wow. Jesus. I'll also send you four steak knives. Cinnamon knives can cost up to $500. Spend what? $99.95. You'll get my perfection shears and a second Miracle Blade Slicer. Yo, are they still selling this, bro? <laughs> Look at that. He cut a pineapple, dude. Thank you, Chef Tony. Did he train in wielding the sword? I think. You, ever guys, you guys ever wonder how they managed to sell all that for so cheap? You know, you know. well, let me tell you the, the facts, Freddie. You may not know it, but if you go to your kitchen, you might have a miracle blade in your house right now. I want to say I recognize a couple of those, and, and we might actually still have a miracle blade. It definitely oh, doesn't last your lifetime. It's dull as hell now, but. When you came on, <laughs> well, in its in its prime and its youth, it was it was cutting like Chef Tony just handled it. Wow! Like Chef Tony just gave birth to it. Yeah, to say it's a lifetime, you you'll never have to sharpen it. It's just, that's a stretch. Yeah. I'm gonna post this on the tapeworms. Chef Tony infomercial. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you for listening to the Tape Rooms podcast. And remember, keep, keep it, it warm.